have the ridiculous joy this morning getting to share one of my favorite Psalms with you here in a minute. We're going to dive into one of the gems in the book of Psalms that really preaches itself. It's so beautiful. Psalm 139. You're going to want the Bible open in front of you. Raise your hand. Our ushers are coming around. Uh, you can get that Bible open. You can turn to Psalm 139. As you do, I wanted to share with you a highlight from our summer. Wasn't this summer amazing? In the 13 years that I have lived here, I'm a transplant from Phoenix, Arizona, the Valley of the Sun. In great irony, the Lord brought me to the Valley of the Shadow of Death. You know? <laughs> but it's beautiful in the summer, right? You know, and this is the first summer in 13 years that we've been here where we didn't feel shortchanged with the summer. It was amazing. One of the highlights of our summer, our family got to, to go to Crater Lake. I had been to Crater Lake before, but my wife had never seen Crater Lake. I think it's a sin here to live in the Pacific Northwest and not go to this awesome wonder. By a show of hands, how many of you have gone to Crater Lake? Okay, if your hand is not up, <laughs> go to Crater Lake because it, it truly, it defies explanation, the, the beauty of it, the wonder of it. I think I have, I have a photo here of Crater Lake. You can't take a bad photo of Crater Lake. It's absolutely impossible because it's a wonder. It, it's a wonder. We travel out of our way to actually go to see beautiful things that defy explanation because many times without even being able to put words to it, our hearts are hardwired to need wonder and beauty. And when you stand before something like this, like Crater Lake, the word wonder comes to mind. Wonder, Webster defines wonder, I have the definition here, as a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. Inexplicable. That's wonder. And as I was going around Crater Lake, I saw something really interesting. The parents and the adults were having moments of wonder, but their kids were not. Their kids were many times very bored and unengaged with the wonder that was happening. And that happened to be our experience. So here's <laughs> picture number two. There's our family. We got to travel with our best friends, the Larsons. And I think we have a zoom in moment. This is like an awkward family photo right there. <laughs> And if you can tell, those are not wonder faces. <laughs> those are whatever faces. Our oldest son, Hayden, we're raising a teenager now. I'm growing accustomed to that face. And our youngest son, Asher, could not be more unenthused. And so even though my boys were there physically at Crater Lake, their hearts missed out on the wonder altogether and they also missed out on s'mores that evening as a consequence of their bad attitude. But here's, here's the truth about, about wonder. When wonder 
is waning from our Christian lives. We may go through the motions, we may attend church, we may even pray every now and then, but we will not revel in God's presence. We will not worship him from our hearts. And the God of the Bible is not interested in lip service. In fact, Jesus, in describing the Pharisees and how they prayed, Jesus said, these people, they draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And that's why we need the Psalms. That's why we've been studying the Psalms this summer and now we're moving into the fall is because the Psalms, what they do is they excite Wonder. They don't just give us information about God to fill our minds. They inflame our hearts with the inexplicable beauty of our Lord and Savior. And today we get to open up a psalm of wonder. Psalm 139. For many of you, it may be one of your favorites. If you're not familiar with this psalm, you're in for a treat. Turn to Psalm 139. We'll jump in at verse 1 and read the psalm in its entirety. To the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the winds in the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they were more than the sand I awake I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. O oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O oh Lord? 
And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. This is God's word. Did you catch a sense as we read this psalm together of the wonder that filled David's, David's heart as he prayed? In verse 6, he's overwhelmed with wonder so much. He says, you know, such knowledge. It's, it's almost too wonderful for me. This word wonder appears time and time again in the psalm. And to be honest, there are far too many wonderful truths in Psalm 139 to unpack everything. So I'm not even going to try. Instead, what I want to do is whet your appetite for the wonder contained in Psalm 139. And my hope is that you go away from here and you make this your prayer. And so I want to share with you three wonders today that David, David brings our attention to, draws our hearts to in Psalm 139. And the first wonder, wonder number one is this. I am known by an all-knowing God. By an all-knowing God. Theologians in studying Psalm 139 they, they many times talk about the incommunicable attributes of God. I'm a theology geek. I love theology. And Psalm 139, it draws our attention to these attributes of God that are unique to him. His omniscience. The fact that God knows all things. His omnipresence. The fact that God is everywhere. His omnipotence, that God is all-powerful. But the truth is, for many years, when I would approach Psalm 139, it defies theological category. It's not just about the omni-qualities of God. It's not just a technical theological lesson. These truths about God are intimate and personal. And the first truth that David wants to impress upon us is that we're known intimately by an all-knowing God. Did you notice the words know or known, how they're repeated in the first six verses of Psalm 139 when David says, Oh, you've searched me and you know me. Oh God, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. When it talks about the kind of knowing that God knows us here, it's more than theoretical knowing. And just knowing all things, like God would just be the best Jeopardy contestant, you know, in history. He just knows the answer to everything and he knows all things. He's omniscient, which is absolutely true. But it's an intimate and personal knowledge. 
In fact, notice how personal David talks about the way that God knows him, how personally he says, Lord, you've searched and you don't just know all things and you don't just know about me. Oh Lord, you've searched me and you know me. Lord, you know me. In fact, the Hebrew word for searched, it means to dig up or excavate. To dig up the ground or excavate something that is hidden. So what David essentially is saying in Psalm 139, as he prays, he says, God, you know me so intimately. You not only know everything I do, but why I do everything. You excavate me. You dig me up. You know me from top to bottom. You know everything about me. Take a look for a moment. Some of the personal ways that God, God's knowledge of us is described in this beautiful psalm. In verse 2, David says, You know when I sit down and when I rise up. In other words, God is intimately acquainted and aware of our daily activities and even our little quirks and behaviors, even mundane things like the seat that you like to sit in on Sunday morning. (laughs) God knows what time you wake up, where you sit down. He's intimately acquainted with everything we do. In verse three, he says, O Lord, you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. But as the Psalm continues, David actually digs a little deeper and he adds, Lord, you not only know all my ways and everything that I do, but God, you know what I'm thinking. You know my every thought. So in verse 2, David prays and exclaims with wonder, Lord, you know when I sit down, when I rise up, but you also discern my thoughts from afar. When God says that he discerns our thoughts from afar, it doesn't mean that God is a distant spectator who just knows what we're thinking from a distance, but rather as a pastor and author, Ray Ortland puts it so well, listen to this. Long before any impulse wells up from within David's psyche, long before David himself knows what his next mood or feeling will be, Long before he knows where his train of thought will eventually lead, God perceives it all. You know, folks, God knows us better than we know ourselves. And many times, I think one of the greatest barriers in prayer that keeps people from going to God and talking to him and enjoying his presence is we don't know what to say. Let this truth in Psalm 139 set you free. God already knows everything that you would say to him before you utter a word. 
And that's why in verse 4, David prays and he says, Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. So if you struggle with not knowing what to say when you go to God in prayer, that's why we've just implored you, please regularly make a habit in your life of camping out in the psalm. Take these words and make them your prayers. Pray them. If you don't know what to pray when you wake up in the morning, try this out. Why not pray what David prays in verses 23 and 24 when he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Friends, regardless of where you're at in your spiritual journey, God knew you from the womb and he wants a living, honest relationship with you. He wants you to know him. His thoughts, friends, outnumber the grains of sands on the Oregon coast. He's intimately acquainted, acquainted with your every emotion, your every feeling, your every desire, your every deed. The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. He excavates it all, which, if we're being honest, is both awe-inspiring and deeply unsettling, isn't it? On the one hand, to be known this intimately by a God who knows everything about us should lead us to fall on our face in wonder and worship and say, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How wonderful are your works. My soul knows this so well. But on the other hand, if we're being honest, there's a part of us that wants to run for the hills and hide from a God who wants to search and know us like this. I mean, even David, the man after God's own heart, confesses in verse six, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I can't attain it. On the surface, this English translation doesn't really give you the tension that's actually in this verse. It almost sounds like he's saying, oh, it's just so wonderful to be known by God. It sounds like an ex exclamation. But actually what David is saying is this is too overwhelming. This is too much for me. Literally in the Hebrew, it says, wonderful is this knowledge from me. It is against me. I can't take it. I'm overwhelmed by it. This explains why David, in verse 7, feels this inclination to run away from God instead of being known by him. Did you notice that in the psalm? 
After just exclaiming, exclaiming how intimately the all-knowing God knows him, David then heads for the hills and tries to run away from him, which is just like you and I. Um, but in verse 7, look at how David actually honestly confesses this tendency to actually not be known by God, but to run from him. In verse 7, let's lead, read these verses again. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. Where the first six verses of Psalm 139 really just draw our attention to the wonder of God's knowledge from us. In the next verses, it actually begins to draw our attention to the wonder of God's presence with us. And this is the wonder that David wants to impress upon us. Wonder number two in Psalm 139 is this. I am pursued recklessly by an all-present God. I'm pursued recklessly by an all-present God. And here's what David wants us to know about God's presence. Much like his knowledge of us, God's presence is not an impersonal force that just fills our universe like a cosmic gas that is just everywhere at once. Instead, God's presence is deeply personal and for us and with us. <clears throat> when David exclaims, Lord, where can I flee from your presence? Whenever you see the word presence in the Old Testament, it's actually the Hebrew word for face, for God's face. The Hebrew word for presence, panim, means face, the face of God. And what David is saying is that everywhere he goes, God's face is for him and with him. Now, although the whole point of prayer is knowing God and enjoying his presence, there's a part of you and I, because of the fall, that is actually deeply afraid to be known, to be seen, to be loved. So instead of praying, search me, O God, and know my heart like David does towards the end of the psalm, you and I, we tend to run away from God's presence like Jonah, like Jonah. Those familiar with the story of Jonah in the Hebrew scriptures know that Jonah was a prophet that was sent to actually preach repentance to a town called Nineveh. However, because Jonah hated and loathed and feared the Ninevites instead of doing what God asked and going to Nineveh, he got on a ship and went as far away as he could in the opposite direction from Nineveh, rebelled. And as the author 
of the story of Jonah in the Hebrew scriptures tells us he fleed from the presence of the Lord. Now, it's super interesting about Psalm 139 that I had never known and picked up on before. In verse 7, when David actually poses the question and says, where can I flee from your presence? He actually is quoting from the book of Jonah. It's the same exact two Hebrew words that are found in the book of Jonah. When Jonah flees from God's presence, runs away from being known by God, David includes that verse to let us know that there's a part of Jonah in him. Although he loves God and wants to be known by God, deep within him is a desire to run and hide. And so what David is saying is, I tried to outrun you. Like Jonah, Lord, I I tried to evade your presence. But like Jonah, David found that there's no way to actually outrun God. That's the whole point of the story of Jonah. He tries to outrun God. It doesn't work. It doesn't work because everywhere he turned, instead of finding God turning his face away from Jonah, God's face was towards the rebellious prophet. And when David tried to run away from God and hide in the darkest pits, God, God's face was there and for him. As one pastor, Sam Storms, puts it so well, to seek to flee God's presence in any and every direction is to fly into the center of the fire to escape the heat. (laughs) David learned this. No matter how hard we try, God's face will always be for us. We can't outrun his love. We can't outrun his love. All of us since the Garden of Eden, like our first parents, have been on the run from God, trying to hide from being known by him. And David is trying to impress upon us this wonder, friends. You don't have to run from this God who loves you. His face is towards you. He knows everything about you. The most grievous things you've ever thought, the most sinful things you've ever done. Friends, make eye contact for a moment. He wants to know you. He laid down his life on the cross to know you, to be with you. This is the greatest wonder of all, that God knows everything about us, and yet he still loves us. Amen, friends. That is the wonder that drives David to to worship the Lord and to stop running in the psalm. Do you notice that in Psalm 139, as you spend some time in this psalm, you'll notice that at some point David stops running in Psalm 139. And so in verse 18, he exclaims, and listen to this, After saying, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they'd outnumber the sands for me. Listen to this. I'm awake 
I awake and I am still with you. I'm with you. Folks, the greatest wonder of all is this. Not only that I'm known, that I'm not alone, that God is with me, I'm loved by that all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful God. I am loved. You are loved. God is with you. This God who is with David, he has a name. His name is Emmanuel. His name is Jesus. And he is with you. He is for you. He formed you from the womb. He knows your inward parts. He's acquainted and concerned with every wound you carry, with everything that you've gone through. All the days of your life are an open book before this God. And he sent his son and his savior to redeem you. And there is nothing that can separate you from his love. Nothing. There's no height, no depth, no angel, no demon, no power of hell. No pit can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing. And if you're going to experience his love, let me tell you something. It's going to happen in prayer and it's going to happen in community. It's going to happen in community. I'm going to have the worship band come up here this morning. There's not enough time to impress upon you the gems in this psalm. And so here's what I want you to do. This week, every day you roll out of bed, open Psalm 139. And revel in these wonders that you're known. You're not alone. And you're loved. You're loved. Pray and say, Lord, search me. Know me. I'm tired of running from you. Try me. Know my thoughts, Lord. Boy, it takes a lot of courage to pray that way. But if you're loved, you have nothing to lose. Expose the things in me. Excavate the things you want to heal. And lead me, Lord, in the way everlasting. Show me the way, Lord. Show me Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Pray this prayer. Let the Lord lead you and guide you into places where he wants to know you. One of the reasons we do Connect Sunday is because we believe that the scriptures tell us that God is uniquely present in his church, in the community of Christ. And I I pray today that you would be startled and surprised by how God shows up and reveals the goodness of his son, Jesus, to you. If you don't know where to begin, this fall I'm going to be teaching a class that we, we try to impress upon everyone who calls River West home. Take this class. Go through this journey. It's called the gospel class. Uh, I've been missing actually teaching this class for, for like three years. I miss being able to just revel in the goodness of the gospel. And so I demanded this fall, I'm inserting myself like back into that class. I want to teach the gospel class. If you're new here, begin there. Start with the gospel class. 
It sounds too wonderful that God would lay down everything to love us, but it's true, friends. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you. Lord, such knowledge that we've just heard about, it's too wonderful. It sounds too high, Lord. Apart from your spirit, we, we can't take it. We can't attain it. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, impress these truths that you want to liberate us by today. Pray every heart here would know that they are known, that they're not alone, and that you love them. Pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. All of God's people said, amen. amen. Let's worship the Lord.